Let us pray. Lord, as we enter into this time where your word is read, this time where your spirit moves, Lord, we pray that you soften our hearts, that you clear away any distractions that may hang like cobwebs from the corners of our minds. Allow the light of your word to shine through the windows of our souls, Lord. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your wisdom. And let this word that as it is read, let them, let these words come off the page for us. Let, they speak, let them speak to us deeply. Just as vibrantly as they were when your son uttered them centuries ago. Bless this time that we have now in the presence of your spirit. Bless this time that we have in the presence of each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, Do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is the third week in Lent, which means this is also the third week in a series we're doing right now on the means of grace. Uh, which is a, a term that John Wesley used, the, the founder of the, the Methodist movement. He, um, he believed that people were, were uh, physical beings, uh, were fleshly creatures, but that our relationship with God is spiritual and it is, it is unseen. And that relationship is, um, is cultivated and is strengthened through and by God's grace, which is also unseen. So John Wesley said, in order for this spiritual thing like grace... To change us, these physical creatures, we must experience God's grace through certain channels. 
And, uh, and these channels are things that we participate in, physical activities that we participate in, in which God's grace is made available to us. And he called these the means of grace. Now, the one we're going to talk about today is prayer. And uh, for John Wesley, this was sort of the, the beginning of it all. In fact, John Wesley uh, preached a sermon on the means of grace, and the very first one he mentioned was prayer, because he said, you can't get grace without asking for it, without waiting for it, without confessing your need for it, and all of that is done through prayer. So that was sort of uh, the, the fundamental means of grace for Wesley. Um, and, and when he talked about it, he used this passage. In that sermon, he, he used a passage where, where Christ on the Sermon of, uh, uh, on the Mount said, um, Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be uh, open to you. Ask and you shall receive. And all of these things, what is the good thing that he is talking about you will find? It is none other than God's grace. Now prayer is unique um, in that it is simultaneously a cry for and a response to God's grace. In other words, you can't cry out to grace without prayer, but you can't even enter into prayer unless God's grace has first been working on you. Because when you come to that point where you say, okay, I'm going to pray, I'm going to cry out to God, God's grace has already been working on you. God's grace has brought you to that point, to that point of prayer. And then it's in prayer that we are also asking for more grace, that we are asking that God respond to us. So prayer is sort of both a response and a cry from us to God, and both are initiated and find their, their roots in God's grace, which is already at work within us. Now this, of course, assumes that our prayer is, um, is, is a selfless prayer, that it is the right kind of prayer. Uh, one thing that we have to be clear about, prayer is not just simply a, a wish list we toss up to God. God, I need this. God, help me with that. God, fix that person over there, and uh, I'll see you on Sunday. That's, uh, that's, that's not the kind of prayer we're talking about. Prayer, deliberate prayer, is the willful act of sitting in God's presence. And it is the, the willful, deliberate act of allowing God's grace to change us. Because we can't come into God's presence, we can't be in God's presence without experiencing some sort of change of heart. And when we come to, to prayer, as we pray, if you are sincere, one thing that you will notice is as you go through the prayer, you start to feel a change. You start to notice a change. Even from, from the time you began to the time you end, there is a movement of God's Spirit. And what that, that is grace. That is what John Wesley called the, a means of grace. God's grace is working on us and it's changing us. And we start off praying for one thing and we may end up praying for something else. Jesus taught his disciples to pray like this. And then he taught them the, the Lord's Prayer. And we pray it every week. And one of the lines in there is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another prayer that Jesus didn't deliberately call his disciples aside and say, Hey, pray like this. But it is a perfect example for us. Is the prayer that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was crucified. 
If you remember that prayer, if you think about it, he knelt down and he said, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to face what he was about to face. He didn't want to have to go through that. But throughout the prayer, as he sat there in the Father's presence, as he poured his heart out to God, as that grace showered him, he came to a place where he could say, but not my will, your will be done. And that's what happens when we pray. When we come into God's presence, that grace changes us. We may enter it asking for our will to be done, but if we are truly resting in God's presence, things will change. Now that's not to say that God's will for us is always completely opposed to what we want. Sometimes uh, they're in line with each other. But a lot of times, our desires and what we want will end up being what God wants. And God is not going to give us something that is bad for us, something that will destroy us. As the passage says, God longs to give us good things. One of those good things is the grace that we experience in our time of prayer. One of those good things is the change of heart we experience in God's presence. It says a father loves to give good things to his children. That's true. Claire has been uh, gone on a clergy spouse retreat since Thursday. Um, so, uh, so don't tell her about this. Um, I'm just kidding. She's going to find out when she gets back anyway. It will probably be the first thing the kids tell her about. But on Thursday, when I picked the kids up, they showed me their report cards. And they both had excellent report cards. And I was so proud. I was so pleased with them. And Claire wasn't there to talk me out of this. So I decided, y'all are going to have donuts for supper tonight. <laughs> and they did. They had donuts. They had a couple of them. That day or we? We, we? we had donuts for supper. We had donuts for supper. And, and, and I enjoyed doing that for them. Not because I wanted a donut. If I wanted a donut, I could have gotten it myself. But I I enjoyed doing that for them because they had made me happy. They had worked hard. They had done something that that Claire and I had been uh, working with them on and that we we had encouraged them to do. And they came home with these, these good marks on their report card. And so I wanted to give them something good. And if me, if I, who am, am, am imperfect and flawed and a sinner, have the love for my children to do that, how much more so does God want to give us good things? When we come to Him and say, God, we are deliberately sitting here in Your presence. We, experience, we want to experience You. We want to experience a change of heart. We want to surrender our will to Your will. In that moment... God will give us good things. And when we talk about surrendering ourselves to to His will, that's what Lent is all about. The season of Lent, we talk about giving up things, following Jesus, taking up our cross, and and sometimes we put on this, this somber, this sad face, and oh, we've got to fast for 46 days. But really, what it is, is it's, it's a joyous thing because we are surrendering ourselves to God so that we can receive something so much better. And we do that, we encounter that during our times of prayer. Now when we do pray, it is important that we are deliberate and intentional to set aside time and to, to make room for the Spirit. Like I said, we can't just toss up this list and say, okay God, this is what I want, thanks for listening. We have to be intentional. 
And if you come on Wednesday nights, you know that every time that we, before we go to our prayer of intercession, I always say, let's have a moment of silent prayer before I pray for these. And the point is, well, it's twofold. First of all, it, it helps us center ourselves. It helps us clear away distractions and sort of focus our minds on what we are about to pray for. But also, and just as important, it is a, a message to God that we are willing to sit here and wait on you. We are willing to sit here in your presence and let your grace do something to us. We're not just going to demand something of you right off the bat and then say amen. We are sitting here with you. And when we sit in God's presence, wonderful things happen. The first thing is we may be moved to confession. Because if you sit in God's presence, you will become aware of how imperfect you are, or how imperfect I am. We, we will understand we are in the presence of a holy, perfect, blameless God. Who am I to sit in his presence? And so we can't help but be moved into a time of confession, a time of repentance, and that leads to forgiveness. And we experience grace in that moment. The grace of forgiveness and reconciliation When we sit in God's presence, we will also be moved into a time of petition. And again, this is where we surrender our own desires and we begin to ask for what God desires. We'll also be moved into a time of intercession where we start to think of other people and lift them up and place them in God's care. And this is where it gets really interesting. Now, this... This this isn't going to happen if you just do a one or two minute prayer. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. But if you have time to set aside and spend time in God's presence, and you just say, my calendar is clear for the next so long, and, and I'm just going to spend this time with God. I'm not going to rush it. And you start praying for people, it's amazing what happens. because You'll start praying for one person, and just like that, the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind someone else. And then maybe someone else. And then you're thinking memories will come to mind that you hadn't thought about in years. And and then whenever you get those, whenever people pop in your mind, say a prayer for them. And before you realize it, you're praying for people you hadn't even thought about in years. And I'll tell you, there have been many, many, many times in my own life where that has happened, where I've been praying and then through, through that, that weird thing that happens in prayer and God's presence where he starts taking my heart and, 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 and steering it towards other people that I haven't thought about in a long time, I'll start to remember people, I'll start to lift them up and, and later that day I might run into them or hear from them or get a friend request from them on Facebook or their name might casually come up in an unrelated conversation. It's funny how that works. And I believe that's God sort of tapping me on the shoulder and reminding me, yeah, that person needed prayer. That's why I wanted you to pray for them. But we only get there if we can commit our heart and we can commit our time to being in God's presence. We start praying for things, and before we know it, we're praying for things that we didn't even originally intend to. We start praying for people that we didn't originally intend to. And speaking of people... The other thing that prayer will do if we are truly in God's presence, once we start feeling that grace upon us, once we start being changed in his presence, we will be moved to love people differently. We might start off praying, God help so-and-so, they're they're 
they're pretty sorry. They, they really need you to do something with them. But as we're praying and as we're being changed and shaped by grace, all of a sudden, something else will happen. We'll begin to empathize with others. We'll begin to understand that people who deal with, with certain struggles, with certain personality quirks, with certain addictions, with, with certain whatever they've got going on, instead of being in a place of judgment against them, all of a sudden, we're just in a place of love. And we're turning them over to God's care, not because we're judging them, but because we love them. Originally, this passage that I was going to read was only going to be four or five verses. If you see in your bulletin, it was only going to be verses 7 through 11. But as I read this passage throughout this weekend, I started noticing something about it. You see, the chapter starts off with, with this, uh, judge not lest you be judged. Right? And then about chap- uh, verse 7, Jesus starts this thing about ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. And he's talking about prayer. And then in verse 12, he goes back to the way you want to be treated, treat others the same way. For the longest time, I thought that these were just random things Jesus was tossing out. Be good to people, pray, don't judge people. You know, they seemed all disconnected. But as I read this again this weekend, I realized they're not disconnected at all. And prayer is right there sandwiched in the center. Jesus Jesus starts off saying... Don't judge others when you're imperfect yourself. And then he starts talking about your prayer life, your personal prayer life. And then he comes back to relationship with others. Why do you think that is? It's because if we experience grace within prayer, if we sit there in God's presence, not only is our relationship with God going to be changed for the better, but that prayer is going to change relationships with other people. It's going to change how we view other people, how we love other people, how we pray for other people, and ultimately how we treat other people. John Wesley talked a lot about these these means of grace, but he divided them into two categories. He said there's uh, instituted means of grace, which is what we've been talking about, baptism, communion, fasting, prayer, reading the scriptures. But then he also said there were these other things called prudential means of grace. All of these things happen in relationship. All of these things happen uh, in, in, in community. It's where we experience God's grace by being together. He called it Christian conferencing. He said we experience God's grace by, by community with, with fellow believers. And then he said we also experience God's grace through works of mercy, through acts of charity. All of those things relate to how we relate to other people. But it begins with prayer. Prayer is at the heart of it. If we are sincere in being in God's presence and allowing his grace to shape us, we will go into those relationships changed and with a refreshed perspective. And that is what God desires. That is one of the many good things that God longs to give us through prayer. Remember, true prayer is not just submitting a wish list to God. It is the intent to deliberately and intentionally spend time in God's presence. And we are, when we are deliberately in his presence, we receive grace. Grace that forgives us and heals us, but grace that also changes us. And we no longer stand in darkness, but we are placed in the light. We no longer judge others, but we begin to empathize with others and love them where they are. 
We no longer demand our own will. We crave to do God's will. Jesus taught us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All that stands in the way of grace running rampant and wild and free in your life and in the lives of all those around you, all that stands in the way of God's kingdom being realized in your own little corner of the earth, all that stands in the way of meaningful and grace-filled relationships, not only with God, but with each other as well, all that stands in the way of all of those things is our inability and refusal to pray earnestly and selflessly. But if we do pray, if we are committed to that heart-changing time with God, that time in His presence, all of these things will be added unto us by a loving Father who longs to give us good things. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that there are times when we do not pray like we should. We do not spend time in your presence. We do not submit our wills wholly and completely to you so that your grace can come in and change us. But Lord, as we confess that, we ask now not only for you to forgive us, but to change our hearts, change our habits, make us want to come before you. Create in us a desire to spend time in your presence so that our hearts can be filled with grace. And and not only will your grace change us, but your grace will work through us and touch the people around us. Lord, this is our prayer today. Let your Holy Spirit guide us in those times where we meet with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 124 in the Cokesbury Hymnal. What a friend we have in Jesus. If you've made a decision of any type uh, this morning, I invite you and encourage you to come forward. The altar is always open for anyone who would, who would like to pray. Uh, but please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 124, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.